0: This is the Thursday Night, Night podcast. podcast. Your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor and I'm joined by the whole crew, David Brady and Jordan. Today we're going to be breaking down Georgia State's 52-38 win over Arkansas State. Georgia State is 3-2 and two on the year, moves to 1-1 one one in conference play. Gentlemen, how are we feeling? Really good. I feel really good. Um, winning football games is fun. It definitely is. All um, right, well, that's going to do it for us. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> um, oh God. No, I mean, it was, it was a fun game. Uh, again, the offense showed up. We talked about it last week. If they don't trip over their own feet and kind of stay out of their own way, this is the kind of offensive performance that I feel like 2019 Georgia State football, uh, that's what we can expect. So I don't want to say that we called it because we didn't, but also we kind of called it.
2: I'll say I I semi-called it pregame. I didn't specifically call it in the favor of Georgia State, but 30 minutes before I put out a tweet, something like, key to the game will be starting fast, and I outlined how bad Georgia State had been starting out in the first quarter, and that Arkansas State had been decent, and it was basically like, it's going to be hard for a team to come back from this game, even if it turns out to be a shootout and Georgia state got the 21, nothing lead and Arkansas state played well offensively the rest of the way, but it was hard for them to come back just because they were coming from so far behind.
3: Yeah. I mean, last week we saw uh, the offense have another one of those games where they just all truthfully came together. Um, I mean, obviously we Georgia State broke multiple multiple records, um, and you know if you watch the game, it didn't feel like Dan threw the ball 41 times, but he he threw the ball 41 times, and you know Georgia State was still able to put up over 340 yards of rushing. They they still ran the ball more often than they threw it, and. You know, how what else can we truthfully say about Trey Barnett at this point? What else can we say about the offensive line at this point? You know, Sam Pickney had a good game as well. It was a lot of fun to watch.
2: Yeah. So let's drag out a couple of those points you made, because the offensive numbers. some of it's it's worth just saying what they were. I mean, first off, 722 total yards on offense is crazy uh, against anyone. And like you said, 99 offensive plays. The reason you threw it 41 times and still didn't feel like you threw it 41 times is just because of how many plays and how much time you had the ball. Georgia state had the ball for 39 minutes to 19 seconds. Uh, That's almost two thirds of the possession of the game. So if it felt like Georgia state was out there the entire game, they weren't that far off. You know, part of
3: that is, you know, early on Arkansas state couldn't get anything going, but you know, when they finally did get things going, they were scoring kind of quickly, you know, and it forced their defense to stay out on the field a lot longer than they probably wanted to, you know, and you kind of couple that with the fact that Georgia state had 39 first downs, you know, they were 50%, seven to 14 on third down. Like it was just an incredibly efficient game from a gaining yards perspective for Georgia state.
2: For those of you keeping score at home, that's a first down every minute of possession.
0: Good Lord. that uh, good. It's a Sunbelt record, so take that as you will. Let me check my notes here real quick. <laughs> yep, that's good. <laughs> it's not bad.
2: And the thing is, is converting on third downs and holding the ball, those are things Georgia State had been doing well coming into this game. But what they added in that was different is adding in the explosion plays, adding in the big plays that either shorten drives or at the end of the game, ended the game. I mean, Trey Burnett had a 56-yarder that all but cemented the win, especially when it was followed up with a touchdown two plays later. Uh, And that's the thing is the biggest worry you could have for a team that is as predicated on long drives and possessing the ball as Georgia state has been at times is if you need those big plays, are you going to get them? Because that's the difference between a team that, you know, averages 30 points a game and a team that averages 40 points a game. And, If you take out the Western Michigan game, which offensively is looking like more and more of an outlier every week, Georgia state's averaging over 40 a game and you can't take out games. That's not how it works, but it shows what the offensive ceiling can be. As David said, when the mistakes are cut out, if you don't turn the ball over, no matter who you're playing, you're giving yourself a chance to do what they did. You know, kind of speaking to that point, it's,
3: you know, we truthfully are seeing what this Georgia State offense can be, and it's it's going to be an offense that's going to want to run the ball for around 230, 240 yards against you, and still be able to pass at that same rate. You know, they're an incredibly balanced offense, and you know, I feel we need to really start having a, a conversation about Dan Ellington because yes, we've been gushing about him all year, but. Genuinely, what an incredible game that Dan played on Saturday. You know, 29 completions on 41 attempts. You know, that's 70%. That's stupid. 382 yards. Again, stupid. You know, you're the only complaint that you could have is he only threw one touchdown. But no, you can't even complain about that. He was just handing the ball off when they were in the red zone. You know, um, you, he wanted to give Destin
1: those touchdowns.
2: Destin, I feel like big, Arkansas Kansas State week for Destin Coates. Uh,
1: <laughs> Arkansas State wished be- at the beginning of this week, I hope, or I only wish that Dan Ellington would throw for one touchdown. And the monkey's paw curled, and then Georgia State ran six touchdowns in on Saturday.
2: <laughs> and I just wanted to talk about the running back specifically because this is the first game, I think, all year. All three running backs, all four running backs, counting Dan, because <laughs> as much as he runs, he, he gets used a running back, especially with the design runs that get run it really showed especially by the end of the game because it was a steady rotation of all three backs and dan running the ball and everyone was fresh and everyone was contributing and we can joke about destin Coates having a good fantasy day he got the three touchdowns he worked down in the red zone trade the home run 56 yarder at the end of the game seth page went through stretches i think every time he came in the game he had multiple first down runs in the drives he was playing uh Another guy who's serious, big play power. And just as a, a point of where the team has grown, I think even Coach Elliott's first year, but especially in some of the years with the Coach Miles teams, there were times where situationally, third and fourth and short, Georgia State could go out there with every intention running the ball and couldn't get it done, couldn't get the short yardage situation. And it feels like in this team now is the first year Maybe in program history where it feels like situationally they can just do that. And I know that that was a point of emphasis that Coach Elliott brought up. I, you can't quote me on when he brought it up, but I know he's mentioned it, that having the ability to just go get a yard when you need a yard on third or fourth down short uh, and on the goal line, which came up a few times in this game, it just it's something different. It's not as easy as it seems but it's, it's starting to feel like a certainty. When you get in those situations, you trust the blocking to get you whatever space you need to get the short yardage gains. I mean, we can circle back to what you
3: just said and just talk about the blocking for an entire podcast because seriously, those dudes up front went back to looking incredible on Saturday.
2: We could have run through some of the holes. I'm glad we weren't because we wouldn't have gotten you know 27-yard touchdowns, but they were opening up easy lanes and the running backs did this, the rest of it.
1: Another week, another episode of the Thursday Night Crew gushing about Georgia State's offensive line.
2: It's just, a team, it's, a, it's a team effort too. Uh, I mean, there isn't really a weak link this year on the offensive line. It's It really has just been the cohesive group. And that's that's what it's about with the offensive line. It's about cohesion. It's about chemistry. And it just, every guy's taking a turn. The interior guys really like pole blocking, which in my very deep esteem knowledge of offensive line blocking is basically just when you go to the outside.
1: <laughs> Excellent In analysis. Bree. Wherein <laughs>
2: I sound very smart about offensive line play.
1: <laughs> One negative I will say from the game, uh friend of the show, Aubrey Payne's touchdown streak oh, was ended. Oh, <sighs>
3: Aubrey, come on, man. What's, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? Painful. Gotta get
1: that Hot. back. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Gotta Thanks, guys. This back, was the Audrey. last episode of the Thursday night podcast. That's
0: painful too. So, if anybody oh wants to God. replace oh. Brady
1: on the next episode, just let me. Know It'll be Aubrey Payne, email. actually. <laughs> yeah, we're Brady gonna put will start Brady out going, there. <laughs> And yeah, he's going to start blocking and running through those holes. He
0: just He'll said it the himself. Smallest tight end in the history of uh, shortest football. <laughs>
2: yeah, this just in the tight end, just got a lot worse at blocking. <laughs>
1: But a lot better identifying a pull block in the moment. (laughs) Um, Uh, Let's circle back to those receivers, though. I mean, we we guessed up the offensive line, guessed up the the running back core. Sam Pickney is the real deal. Like, I mean, it's not like I didn't know that before this week. But every week we see this dude come out and just further shows that this kid can ball. I mean, he was exciting to watch nine receptions, 120 yards and a touchdown. What, what more can you say about him?
2: Yeah, well, it just has been, I feel like we've mentioned this at least once, but it's becoming more and more obvious that Dan and him are getting kind of a rapport. And it just seems like the comfort level is growing and he's showing he's pretty versatile too. I mean, you see his size and you assume he's a pretty obvious red zone target and he's definitely featured there. But even this last game, they're getting it to him on screenplays out wide and he was getting the yardage. He's worked over the middle. Uh, he, he's really showing a pretty complete, you know, route tree and he's only a freshman still. He played last year, had a medical red shirt because he didn't end up using all of his games. And, you know, that's going to end up being a big thing for this program. I mean, you never not want to take the positives from any injury, but, you get one more year with a guy like this, it could really be a big deal for his development, for the team's success. Um, And then not to go unnoticed, Cornelius McCoy, eight receptions, 107 yards. Another guy who's just Mr. Reliable for Dan out in, he's finding open spots. He's running deep. He's another weapon for Dan and, for a team that is going to run the ball as much and as successfully as Georgia state has done, when you've got a tight end who eats up targets in the red zone, another tight end, Roger Carter, who's also very good at receiving. And you've got these two wide receivers that are going to find openings and be there for you when you need third downs. It's a really complete package. And you can see why the offense is having the success that it's having.
1: Real quick, I just kind of want to go over some of the numbers from this past game against Arkansas State. 722 yards of total offense. That's a school record. 39 total first downs. That's a school record. I think I heard in the postgame press conference, it ties a Sunbelt record. Someone can correct correct me on that. No, that's right. Um, Six rushing touchdowns. That's a school record. I feel like there was like one or two more that I'm forgetting about. I'll say the game
3: wasn't all, you know, horseshoes and rainbows, though, because we're going to eventually have
1: to talk about the defense. It wasn't perfect. Um, They played well in the first half, for sure. Um, uh, I would actually amend that to say they played well in the first quarter because as soon as myself and some of the other people on the sideline started talking about, wow, Georgia State's defense looked pretty solid today, we gave up two back to back, like four play, 85 yard drives for touchdowns. And they realized that they have an all conference threat on the outside in Omar Bayless. they were just, I mean, they just started, when they started actually throwing the ball, I feel like it kind of t- caught us off guard a little bit. But credit to the defense, I mean, they adjusted. Um, they didn't play a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. But again, they did enough to supplement the historic offensive performance that we saw on Saturday. Definitely. yeah.
2: It, it kind of uh, beggars belief what exactly Arkansas State started the game doing offensively the Georgia state defense was playing well to start, but especially when you saw how good the receiving core was and how they just were able to have success taking shots, you do kind of wonder what they were doing, running the ball so much. Um, I hey yeah, establish the run. The, the, the storyline to watch will be how much of this defensive performance was, how good Arkansas state's passing attack was and how much is there still issues, uh, on the defensive side. I mean, like we can we can harp on them in coverage,
3: um, but there was I mean there was some good. You know, they still had three sacks, you know, they still got two picks, um, and it wasn't like the either interception was bad, you know, one was at the very end of game.
2: What? <laughs> <but>. Sorry. <laughs> it's not like either interception Good thing was bad. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they they came at important <laughs> times, I think is what yeah, you're trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. They were, um, yeah, contextually, the first one, it was 38-21 Georgia State. They just scored, and Arkansas State had a big kick return to start the drive in Georgia State territory in the first play Linebacker Stevens McQueen reads the quarterback the entire way, gets a pick, and it didn't lead the points, but it totally stunted the momentum of Arkansas State, even for a little bit. And in a game that ended up going down to the last five minutes, that's all you need sometimes just to stunt the momentum a little bit.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and we talk about Georgia State not being able to put games away, and, you know, Tyler Gore at the end of the game there easily got that interception, and it took whatever wind was in the sails of Arkansas State right out even though they were already down two scores at the time. But, you know, the offense was still moving. It could have happened. Yeah, those those bigger
2: comebacks have come, and, you know, you remove all doubt when you get the pick there and get the ball back with under two minutes.
3: Absolutely. You know, that pick matters, whether it's 0-0 or, you know, whether you're up two scores late in the game.
2: And also, a couple of drives back, it's 45-35, Georgia State's up. It's a third down. Arkansas State is in field goal range, but they're going to want to score a touchdown to keep the pressure on and make it a three score game or make it a three point game. And Dante Wilson gets a big sack and there's no choice but to kick the field goal at that point. And even if they got points on the board, which they did, it still feels like a win for the defense because the offense wants to put up the touchdown there and so any momentum in your way even if it is to make it a one score game it's a good thing and it's it's not the deflating you gave up a touchdown because there were a couple of times earlier in the game where third down situations arkansas state got a touchdown i'm thinking of late in the first half and it was a little deflating for georgia state going into the half there because they could have held them to a field goal or no points at all but arkansas state in that instance was able to get the desired result and get the momentum going their way, Uh, you hold them to the field goal there, it's not an insignificant thing.
3: Absolutely. You know, we could lament the defense all day, but, you know, Georgia State did everything that they had to do to win that game. You know, they stopped the run, they kept Arkansas State guessing on defense, even though their defense was incredibly hurt and it didn't exactly look better. But, you know, Georgia State, I think, you can look at that game for Georgia state and realize that this is probably what this offense is.
2: And a game after you led a team who had averaged under 30 yards rushing, get 200 yards rushing Arkansas state had 115 yards on the ground and taking out their two big chunk plays. It was 20 carries and 51 yards. They had a 36 yard run and a 28 yard run. And other than those two plays, their rushing game did nothing. And so you can at least go back and say a team that wasn't that great a rushing team didn't do good rushing things against us. And that's not a total win because it it isn't that significant because it's it's doing what you should have done. But given the rushing defense struggles the games before, it's not totally insignificant to say that's something we can take forward, especially because you're going to face some good rushing teams in the next game and then the game after that.
1: We did receive a question on Twitter for us to answer this week in the episode. Will from Atlanta asks... What combination of uniform colors do you prefer and why? I know David has a very strong opinion on this, so I'll defer to him first.
3: Well, I think my favorite color combination is probably uh, blue, white, blue. Um, I think our blue helmets are the best helmets that we have. Uh, Brady will disagree with me, but I don't think we ever need to wear the white. Um, It's not a bad look. It's just not nearly as good of a look as the blue. And then just our white uniforms, they're very clean, very professional if you want to say um and then the blue just really pops for pants definitely blue white blue
2: so i'll say the end result i agree with you i think blue white blue is the best look just especially when it contrasts with the other team really well it it pops but i'd you know i'd say that the white helmets have the virtue I i would just say in general there's not really as long as you're not wearing black superfluously with just another color combination I don't think there's a bad look in the set. I think Under Armour did a good job with it. I, on a person that like Under Armour as the football uniform makers, I think they do a good job. So, I like them all, but blue white blue. If I had to say,
1: I feel like it's almost like a hot take to say that I like the white blue white. Uh, I don't know why, and uh, I definitely say that I like blue white blue better. But I'm certainly not on anti team white blue white. I'm a white blue white sympathizer.
0: I will say, I don't think we've had a truly ugly uniform, except for maybe a couple of the early ones, but, uh, the all blacks we had versus Furman were sharp. I really liked those. The all blue, uh, especially under Under Armour, under Under Armour, uh, have been really, really good looking. Uh, I think I like those a little bit better than the year one, year two Adidas ones. They're just plain to me, but new ones are sharp. Yeah, we'll do
2: an all-time uniform power rankings in like ten years when we have a lot more, and we can just be like, we wore this one time in like twenty twenty three and it looked terrible, and this is last place.
1: And this was the, this is the uniform we wore in twenty twenty five. We won the national championship. And this That's whole discussion is going to
2: age great when we wear blue white blue this weekend at Coastal, and everyone sees it. Who listen to the pod, they're like, wow, that is a great look. These guys have fashion sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well at least we're not wearing anthracite anymore what what <laughs> <laughs> what How? okay trent miles had these awful helmets that were like the script anthracite is like a, yes a shade of black oh. but it's like got some like shine to it like a sparkle almost so that's where i i'm almost certain like brady came up with this like blue white sometimes as we as
2: were an- anthracite
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> that was one that of the funniest me. things i'd ever heard <laughs> <laughs> was that from panther talk no i mean i, like I said was. that oh okay oh you said I, I think it I wasn't I it you panther that came talk. up with it
1: no no it was me 100 okay all right well that's I funny i did that all right thanks for your question will uh moving on we're going to talk about our matchup this weekend at coastal carolina how are we feeling about this game hashtag pants over chance except
0: it's not pronounced chance. It's not. Someone's gonna get mad. Shants.
2: Ponce is over shants. Ponce
0: over chance. Hey,
2: Ponce over shants works because Ponce is in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Ponce over shants. I'll 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 give it to you, but uh you're on notice.
1: You're on thin ice, counselor. <laughs> <laughs> you better be going somewhere with this.
3: <laughs> uh yeah.
1: this game is definitely gonna be interesting,
3: kind of circling back um to why we're here. I think this will be the hey what are these guys all if you will because seriously I don't know what Coastal Carolina is up until this point are they a team that runs the ball really well and has a really really good defense or are they just a team that ended up playing arguably the worst FCS team
1: um I'm not sure you're talking about Kansas right ouch ouch Ouch.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I think that it'd be fair to say that we can't really handicap Coastal that well just cuz there's question they they played Norfolk State and UMass who are both not very good football teams and they played Kansas who's not a great Power 5 team and then their two losses are to Eastern Michigan who is a semi-comparable team to Georgia State in the just level of talent level of, you know, they're a MAC team that's somewhat decent been to bowl games and then they lost pretty handily at app state, but app state's about to be ranked. So that necessarily doesn't mean much, but it's the same way where I would expect a lot of people are having a hard time figuring out Georgia state. Yeah. I mean, you know,
3: I would probably argue that Tennessee is a better team than Kansas. But I mean, when um, you're making,
2: when you that argument, it, it's, It's 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 like, which of these bad teams is less bad?
3: Right, exactly. You know, and then you could also look at Georgia State and say, well, I mean, they beat Furman and then, you know, they beat Arkansas State, but that's a really banged up team. And, you know, they lost in overtime to Texas State, which is, I mean, you know, bless them, but they're not exactly the best team either. So, you know, you could also make the argument that Georgia State needs to figure out who they are as well.
2: Yeah, I I think that... The one thing we can say pretty definitively, I don't think it's controversial to say Coastal has a good defense. And so this would be a good conference test against a good defense. Instead of, you can say about Arkansas State, they were banged up and maybe not that good anyway. And you can definitely say that about Furman because they're an FCS team and they don't have the depth of an FBS team. And so Georgia State hasn't had an impressive offensive performance against a team with a certified good defense. So if they go out Saturday and put a game together somewhat in the ballpark of the Arkansas State game, even if it isn't a school record in yardage, but it's just a good points on the board, scoring in the 30s or 40s, then you can start to say this this offense plays no matter who they're playing. And that is a big deal because it doesn't matter who they're playing. The offense can play. Offense can play, folks. But if they lose this game and the offense resembles more the Western Michigan game, then questions start to be asked about, can this team score against anyone? And given that there's still some tough games left on the conference schedule, that wouldn't be a great omen for Georgia State.
3: You know, it wouldn't. And I think we talk about the defense every single week, every single week, and this is going to be another test for the defense. Can they, Coastal doesn't want to throw the ball a ton. You know, they definitely want to run the ball in that while Arkansas state kind of picked at the Panthers secondary last week. You know, this is going to be another opportunity for the Georgia state defense to say, Hey, you know, you're not going to be able to just run all over us. We're going to, you know, continue to stop you when you need to get those, you know, third and long situations. And you're going to try to do that on the ground. Um, You know, coastal rushes for about two twenty six a game. So that's, I mean, that's obviously good, you know, but it's going to be interesting to see if Georgia State is capable of, you know, forcing Coastal into those longer, um, longer third down situations, because they're not necessarily a great third down team. Um, I mean, for a team that holds the ball. About 39 minutes uh, a game, 35, uh, 30. Sorry, for a team that holds the ball for 35 minutes a game. You know, they're only at around the 42 percent mark for third down conversions. You know, that's not. It is a surprising um, statistic, I will say. Um, so, you know, forcing Coastal into those longer down and distances will be very important for Georgia State.
2: Yeah, I think you touch on what's going to be interesting to watch with this game because both offenses, if they're not predicated on it, at least like possessing the ball. Georgia State, after the last game, is a hair over. Georgia State, after the last game, is a hair under 32 minutes a game possession. Coastal, like David said, is near 35 minutes a game time of possession. It's teams that like holding the ball. And so, in a way, I wouldn't be shocked if it's low scoring, no matter how the defense plays, just because the number of possessions in total might be limited. Uh, What I would say is, last year, Coastal Carolina came into Georgia. The same quarterback, Fred Payton, was making, I believe, his first career start. He had a comfortable day in the pocket. He was able to do basically what he wanted. The offense put up 37 and held on to beat Georgia State 37-34. And if they're going to beat you on the ground because they're a good rushing team, they can do that and you can still win the game. But if you let them beat you on the ground and also let Coastal pick you apart in the passing game, you're just not going to have that much chance of success. Uh, The one specific I would say they like throwing play action and they like getting the ball out quick. So if you're not attuned to that and you're not got your eyes up looking for the quick hitters on the passing game, then they might be able to do just what you don't want them to do. They, they might be able to control both phases. And I guess putting a, putting a, a, nice bow on this week, uh, this came out just today and wanted to shout it out in the vein of Dan Ellington appreciation. So pro football focus, ranked the FBS quarterbacks in the preseason a couple weeks before games started this year. And Dan Ellington was ranked 83 and they just re-ranked it this week. And he's up to 37 out of 130. And the point is it's not just us noticing how good of a season Dan Ellington's had. People are noticing on a more national macro level of college football. And so it's just, it's worth noting that yes, he is having a good year it isn't just because we're watching the games that it seems like he's having a good year because it's standing out on more than just a georgia state level and it's just worth noting that he's having a great year yeah um i
3: did the math Uh, he's on pace for thirty-seven hundred yards of total offense
1: wow i'm not gonna do the typing on the keyboard bit but that's good
3: it is good it's definitely good um and you know He's actually running at a very comparable pace to what he was last year, but it's his passing that has definitely gotten himself over that kind of, is he going to hit the 300 all-purpose yards mark or not? So definitely kudos to Dan so far through five games.
2: I feel like it's obligatory to say that him having a good game is going to go a long way for a win on Saturday against Coastal.
1: (laughs) What? I, I feel
2: like that is a... I'll say obvious thing.
1: Brady, how could you say something so controversial? yet so brave. <laughs> what a great gift. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Thursday night podcast. Please make sure that you guys are following us on Facebook, Twitter, our newly formed Instagram. You guys can find all that information on the website. Handles are at Thursday night. Hopefully the next time you hear us, we'll be on the other side of a four and two start to the season. Thanks to a win over the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Until then, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. See you. Bye.